Good morning, and welcome to the Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 117. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Um, before we get started, make sure you like, subscribe, review, five-star rate our podcast so we can continue to keep giving you the heat every week. What's going on in the business news, financial news, as well as some concept that we like to discuss together. So make sure you do that. And of course, we have a lot to talk about this week. So much happened in the news. Uh, we'll also get to a roundtable where we discuss the mechanics of buying a company, whether big or small. I think it's an important concept for people to discuss, especially with what's going on with public companies going private via a buyout. So we'll talk about So I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. News update of the week, a lot going on um, in the financial news, business news, so we'll get right into it. First, Fidelity, the nation's largest retirement plan provider, is now going to allow 401k savers to put Bitcoin in their retirement plan. Fidelity is supposed to allow this option later this year and will only be adopted in an employer-sponsored plan if the employer opts in. The Wall Street Journal is stating that there's going to be fees on these investments ranging between, you know, 0.75 to 0.9% plus trading fees. This is a big move. This is large news for a large institution, which Fidelity Fidelity is the largest retirement plan provider. They have over 23,000 companies that they administer and they're the record keeper for the retirement plans. Um and now they're saying, okay, we're going to allow people to opt into Bitcoin. They're going to cap it at up to 20% allocation because of it being a, a more speculative growth um, investment. This is interesting because Fidelity is doing it. You have to think that the other people that are chasing Fidelity, Vanguard, TIA, Cref, all those other retirement plan providers are going to start doing that for their 401ks. And what does that mean for, you know, price and different things? Of course, we can surmise, but that is huge news in terms of institutional adoption that we talked about happening in the beginning of 2021 and more on. Okay, this is an interesting story. So Florida and Disney are kind of in a battle right now. Well, the governor of Florida, I should say, Ron DeSantis, on Friday, he signed a bill that strips Walt Disney of a self-governing authority at its Orlando area parks. And this is in retaliation to their opposition of his law that limited the teaching of LGBTQ issues in schools. So Disney, of course, did not want that law to be signed. And they, after a little bit of delay, they spoke out about it. Um, and now DeSantis is striking back with this removal of the special tax status. Um, so pretty much Disney had a, a special, has a special tax status in Florida that allows it to kind of govern itself and cover its financial, you know, needs, whether it's firefighting, railroads, uh, roads, anything in their special area in that county. Um, and it was signed into law in 1967. And so they were able to maintain and improve the area by themselves and kind of govern themselves. But now they're getting stripped of that. So they have to go to the other counties surrounding, which will now engulf their area and be able to ask them for improvements or go through the the red tape to get things done. They will also no longer be able to carry the tax burden for that area. So now it'll be split evenly 
and the surrounding counties and the people that live in those surrounding counties, which many of them work for Disney, will have to pay higher taxes more than likely, which of course will disgruntle them. And so it's a roundabout way for DeSantis to kind of strike back at Disney, which obviously like, you know, that guy is doing some weird stuff, but that is an interesting story that's happening right now. If you Google it, it's quite interesting. So there's still time before this removal goes into place until I'm sure both sides will do some more bargaining, but it's happening. It's happening right now. Um, and so that's big news. In bad news, um, over 13 million Board 8 Yacht Club NFTs were fished and stolen um, in a hacking attempt, in a hacking successful attempt. There was another crypto hack, this time involving NFTs. So some Board Ape holders, if you guys don't know, Board Apes are NFTs, probably the most popular and um, with the most price, the highest price floor NFTs out there. But the people, some Board Ape holders got fished. There was a fake link, fake link that authorized a transaction that transferred the Board Ape NFTs to the hacker's wallet. And this fake link was actually posted from the official Board Ape Yacht Club Instagram account. So the hackers got a, a piece of, got into the Board Ape Yacht Club Instagram account, posted this fake link, had people connect their wallets to this copycat website, which then stole the NFTs and transferred it to the hacker's wallet. And there's like no way to get it back. It's one of the downsides of this decentralization. There's still bad actors and these bad actors don't have anyone keeping them responsible or any governing authority really, because it's just a decentralized peer to peer world in the NFT crypto metaverse world for the most part. And it's pretty scary if you're getting a copy or getting a handle on the Instagram account board at yacht club there's no way for someone to like be able to decipher if that was fake like that's just too hard it's a blue check it's verified and it, these people unfortunately got taken um so we'll keep an eye on that story the big news of the week elon musk he did it um he is literally buying twitter they have accepted his a proposal of a 43 billion dollar offer to buy the company um, and now he just has to secure the financing. He said he had the finance secured, which I figured, you know, 80 to 90% of it would be secured if he's going to make that offer $43 billion. He has some banks, including Morgan Stanley, on with him on this deal to provide financing and funds. He's doing $21 billion of his own funds. Um, he's planning to buy Twitter and take it private, and Twitter just reported earnings this morning as I'm recording. They had a revenue miss, but they increased users to about $229 million active users up from 226, but revenue missed. Um, and, you know, Elon's buying for $54.20 a share, $54.20 a share. Um, and yeah, and he plans to take the company private, which what do you guys think? Do you think it's better for him to be in control of Twitter versus, you know, it to be a public company controlled by the current CEO? I'm assuming that CEO's gone now that Elon's taking over. He might even make himself CEO, who knows? Um, but he plans to put some product features in there and get rid of bots, which bots have been a huge issue recently, especially in the crypto part of Twitter. Um, we'll see. I, I think I'm not sure. I want to see more what he has planned for Twitter, but he's really, really highly actively involved. So it's going to be interesting to see. And more Elon news. He says his Optimus robot business is going to be bigger than Tesla. I don't know if you guys saw this quote. 
but he has an Optimus robot that is literally a 5A robot that is doing task, human task, like in the manufacturing and production, it does these tasks in tasks in warehouses. And he believes this business will be bigger than his Tesla business. People have been talking about robots that do human tasks for a long time. Hasn't really been commercialized, hasn't been masked, but he believes this technology, this, if you look at the picture of the robot, it's kind of creepy. So look it up. And he believes it's going to be bigger than Tesla. And Tesla is a trillion dollar company. So it's a bold claim, but he usually is great at operational things. So him making that claim is is quite interesting. What tasks would you want your robot to do? I don't know if I like I'm like, all right, get coffee for me, lock in my sports beds. I don't know. But what would you have your robot do? Maybe your dishes. Like I'm trying to think of the best tasks to place on the robot. <laughs> But that is all that's happening with news this week. It was a big news week um, and much to discuss, but the big items we just touched on. So let's get into the financial roundtable next. All right, financial roundtable, folks. So with all the news of Elon Musk buying Twitter, it's a public company. He bought all, he's buying all the shares, taking it private. Um, we, I wanted to look into like, what are the mechanics of buying a company? A lot of people don't think about it. And we talked about it before. They don't think about companies and investing in companies. They only think about real estate or the public markets, which is great. But what are the mechanics of buying a company on a small or big scale? I think these overarching themes can work for both. Um, obviously if you get into the nuance, it's a little bit different for like, small private companies or medium-sized companies to large private companies or public companies. But first, I mean, these these topics will touch on all of that in the sense of the overarching theme, because first you need to find something you want to purchase. You need to find an available business, one that someone's selling because they are retiring or they don't think they can help the business grow anymore and they think it needs someone else to do it. They just want to get out of that industry but you need to find if it's a business that has positive cash flow, um, an industry you're familiar with. A lot of people, you have to be a good operator. Operating meaning be able to operationally guide the business. Do you know what it needs to grow? How to get more consumers, customers, clients? Um, a diverse business that has a long-term plan. And so there's places where you can literally look to find businesses to purchase if you have cash. So there's online broker sites, there's local business brokers, there's attorneys, CPAs, franchisors that have businesses that are up for sale. And once you find the one that you want, the next thing you want to do is value the business. You can do it yourself or you can hire a professional. There's business valuation people that help you do small and medium-sized businesses. Of course, you'll pay for that, which is fine. But businesses are usually valued on EBITDA or you know, business revenue or net income, EBITDA's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, which is like a cash flow metric, a standardized cash flow metric for all businesses. And so you're pretty much saying, all right, this is what the business cash flows annually. I'll pay three, four, five, six times that for the business. And so you do that with, you know, running some numbers, spreadsheet, different things, getting the tax returns, getting the things you need 
to understand what the value of the business is. What would you actually pay for that annual cash flow three, four, five years down the line, right? And once you decide you want to move forward, now it's negotiation time. You have to negotiate with the business owner. You have to, you know, work with lawyers, work with the attorney, or if you're doing it on your own, sure. Sometimes there's different type of sales. Um, you purchase the assets of the business or a stock sale. They're different. Sellers prefer a stock sale. Um, and then once you've figured that out, you'll submit a letter of intent. Like, hey, this is an LOI. It's pretty much a document saying, outlining most of the terms of you buying the business, the purchase price, the amount, the execution time frame. You should have up to 90 days to, to jockey back and forth on the LOI. And once it's been accepted and it's been signed by both of you, then you complete due diligence. You'll get more information. You'll get the three years tax return, income statements, revenue broken out by customer, all the information you need before you legitimately close on this transaction. You need to get that, cipher through it, um, decide if the business is still the right one. And so you'll get all that information. You need it for your own due diligence. And then lastly, before you close, of course you need financing. Um, you should have, maybe you'll have the financing already. Sometimes, you know, buyers and sellers do a payment structure. You do 30, 40, 50% down, and then you pay in installments for the rest. Um, it just depends on the situation you work out with the seller. And then you close. If there was no surprises during due diligence, you close the transaction and you officially bought a business. So this happens on small scales, medium scales. People don't really look into it a lot, but it's a great way to build your business portfolio um, in buying businesses that you think you can run. So that's our roundtable this week, folks. I hope you learned something new. Um, NBA playoffs still kicking and going. What a great you know time to continue having fun watching. I'm doing the CNBC annual stock draft. It's on Power Lunch today at two to three. It's an hour long show where we have fun. We pick stocks. It's a, really a stock draft. It's going to be fun. Um, so tune into that. If you hear this early, um, it'll be 428 Thursday at 2 p.m. CNBC Power Lunch. We're going to have a good time. I'm hoping to win. I'm hoping to win. They track it. Um, it should be a fun, fun time. So tune into that and we'll talk to you next week.